Welcome to my award-winning podcast, Brilliant Brains and Beautiful Minds. I'm your host, Melanie Burnicle. It's Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so we've got a couple of special episodes headed your way. My first guest is a businesswoman, a friend and breast cancer survivor. Please welcome... Lisa Poulos, da, da, da. she needs a drum roll. Um, <laughs> welcome to our show, Lisa. Thank you, Mel. It's exciting doing this with you. Oh, I know. Lisa and I have had a working relationship for many years, probably over 10, 15 years. Yeah. We're, we're newbies in our that. industry. I've <laughs> <laughs> had the pleasure of working together on so many occasions and hearing parts of your story. This is a really nice way, I think, to open up for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And sure you know, talk about where you've gone, where you're going and what's next. Yeah, great. All right. Let's do it. (laughs) Excellent. So for everyone out there, Lace, can you just kind of recap for me, you know, your journey with breast cancer from the, you know, from the beginning? Okay, it's a long one. So I'll try and do it really short because I don't want to bore people. Hang on, her and I having a short conversation? It's (laughs) But I'll try. But basically in um, 2007, I as she was before that, I actually had a scan. And normal, you know, breast cancer scan came back clear. Um, But the problem was I had a lump in my breast. And so it was always in the back of my head when they said it was clear that I had a lump. I let it go till about March. And then in March, I had a car accident. And that car accident caused my ribs to break. And when my ribs broke, what they did was they actually pushed one of the tumors. I had three tumors in they pushed one of the tumors onto a nerve so it really started hurting so i kept going back saying hey you know this still feels like there's something wrong i didn't know it was breast cancer i didn't know what it was i just knew i had pain so they let you out of the hospital with broken ribs yeah and stuff just and you went home i went home um and then i just persisted and i'm a tenacious person as you know and i just knew something was wrong i knew i wasn't feeling great I knew, and interestingly, I was doing some work for the Ralph Lauren Pink Pony campaign. So I was in the middle of a major breast cancer awareness campaign, which was quite ironic, really. And I was dealing with the head of the Breast Cancer Association. So, you know, and I kept asking her questions, and I never thought I've got no history of breast cancer in my family. There's actually, you know, no history of any cancer that I know of. Anyway, so I just kept persisting. And I went back to the doctor and I said, this still doesn't feel right. Cut a long story short, it took four more scans and me asking to see a breast cancer specialist. And when I went to see him, he said to me that there was really, I'd be wasting their time to do a biopsy because I sort of went in and said, I want a biopsy. And they told me it was a waste of their time and my time. And I just said, well, just amuse me and do oh, it. Oh, not a waste of their time because they thought that you had it. No, a waste of their time because they thought you didn't have it. Yeah, no, because... They could see on the scans that there was nothing wrong with me, that, you know, for all intents and purposes, my bloods were looking good, that I looked healthy. I was just, and I think they thought that there was something wrong with my head, to be honest with you. (laughs) Anyway. I've never thought that about you. No, well, anyway. It took them about three weeks to come back to me because I think they were so shocked at what they found. There wasn't just one tumour, there was three. They were really high-graded tumours. And I literally was told that I had a battle, a major battle. So I went from there's nothing wrong with you to you one sick girl. And then it was a very, very long battle. From there on, I had bilateral mastectomy. I had um, a very extended course of chemotherapy. And then I had a huge recovery, which has been a very, very long period of 
a lot of damage from the chemo that I've had to recover from. Mm. So this, when you started your treatment, was this still 2007 or moving no, into no, 2008? It was 2008. It was 2008. Yeah. And so with you, Lisa, as well, how long did your chemo and your main treatments go on for? So the chemo was probably a year and a bit. And then you have to go on oral chemo. Right. Which then caused two further surgeries because they caused internal bleeding. And so I had some pretty extraordinary situations. It was one surgery after another, after another, after another. I was asked to do radiation for another, I think it was seven months, some ridiculous amount of time. And by that point, I decided that if I was going to survive this, I had to take charge of my own health and that I felt that my body couldn't do any more than take any more abuse from the medical system, which is a really big call. And, and there was a really a percentage of how the radiation was going to help me and I didn't feel it was high enough to go through the trauma. I felt like I needed to just do things my way from then on. Yeah. And that's what I did. And I'm still here to tell the story. So oh. I think I didn't make any big mistakes in making that decision. I think, you know, everything's so personal. Oh, we've got a little friend joining us. <laughs> this is Pippa. <laughs> Hi, Pippa. We're not going to say no to an extra one. No, we like an extra on set. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not paying attention to COVID rules and regulations, but we'll forgive you. So that's a couple of years within itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You had the double mastectomy and we're in, what, 2020 now. So that's 12 years ago when you started. And we've been having conversations sort of where we're at now and what's been going on for you for the last few years like do you find yes that the initial trauma was you know a lot going on and you've had a lot of support but do you find that people don't realize that you need further support going on up until now I think it's a long journey and it's really hard for people it's a journey of misery like that's all it is it's a miserable journey and I've got a girlfriend that I'm going through with it at this moment she's been really really sick and even she's recognized that there's a lot of people there at the beginning but then they slowly and it's actually quite normal that people get back to their own lives yeah. it's really understandable and you know at the end of the day like everything in our lives I think it's really important you take charge and you have to take yourself through that journey and it's mm. a difficult journey yeah I mean I had after the mastectomy and all the treatment was over then you've got to think about reconstruction and that's another at least a year because within a reconstruction there's three surgeries so you have to wait till you're in full health and not, not before everyone, you... Okay. Depending on the doctor, some people reconstruct straight away. But I was so sick that survival was my main goal. Yeah. And you really don't care about having breasts at that point because they're not your friends. Yeah. But once you've got through the treatment, you think, oh, God, I'm going to live. I don't want to live life without breasts. And so, yeah. you know, that became then a focus for me. And I had the reconstruction, I can't remember what year, but it was quite a few years later. And that then, as I said, was three surgeries. So it's a, it's a really big deal, it mm. really is. Moving forward to now, two years ago, I had a trip to, maybe it was three years ago, I had a trip to Sri Lanka and I got bitten by a mosquito, which caused bacteria in my body that hid in my implants. And, yeah, and so they had to wow. take implants out, a second reconstruction, but it turned out I had those really bad implants that were people have been talking about that create lymphoma. So again, I think the angels were looking after me. I agree with you on that one. And so I lost the nipple reconstruction during the second reconstruction. 
Right. Did uh, you have that on the first reconstruction? I had that. That's the third surgery. So right. The third so each surgery had a different process in rebuilding. It's not like putting implants in like someone that's getting breast enlargements. No, because the skin's not there, is it? The you have to be able there. to move. You expand the yes. skin. So for one year, you go through the process of expanders being put in. Wow. And then every, I can't remember if it's every three weeks or every month, you go in and they fill the implants. So that gently stretches the skin. Gently stretches it to the point you decide what size you're going to be. And then you decide, and then they go a tiny bit bigger than that. So it gives it some movement. Yes. And then once that's done, then you have the expander taken out. Then you have the implant put in. Wow. That settles, and then you go back in and you can choose what type of nipple reconstruction you want to have. As you know, I think you've been told there's you know the twisting of the skin, and then the second one, which I was really hesitant, I really wanted to do, but I was a little bit nervous. I didn't. What is it? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm nervous, and I'm like getting closer and like keeping um, my distance. So take, I think they take a bit of cartilage from inside the rib. I think right. it's cartilage, not actually rib. To and give they, it a textural. To give it a more firm feel and to make it more solid. And I was worried that I was going to have these pokey little <laughs> nipples out the whole time, looking like I was on fire every day. You know? <laughs> She's like, "Wait!" It's not like that. I didn't know that at the time. There wasn't enough. Ex- there wasn't enough women that had it done that right. I could research it. So yeah. I chose not to do it. And so then I, when I had the second reconstruction, I chose not to have the third part of it and have it the nipple reconstruction. Gotcha. So, yeah. And so, where are you at now with? Well, I, I sort of had relationships where I never felt that having no nipple was a good thing. It just looked odd. And for me, every time I got out of the shower, I sort of covered myself up and I didn't realise how much it was affecting me psychologically. I really didn't realise. And then, you know, I came across Nikki, who's a cosmetologist, paramedical. I was introduced to this concept of 3D nipples. And I was like, oh, my God, what is that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, really? And by this point, after all the surgeries I've had, you've got to understand that pain for me is no longer an option. Like, it's just I feel pain really badly. Yeah. So I was always a little bit frightened of all the needling. And, and I just – I was really scared, to be honest with you, because I just don't have the tolerance anymore. So when I met Nikki, I just – I was really surprised. I looked at the, I looked at the, the methodology and thought, that's for me. Yeah. And I remember when she first did the first outlining and I went upstairs. I actually had a, I actually got really teary to be honest with you because I thought, "Oh my god, I'm starting to feel I know it sounds really weird, but I really didn't feel normal." And I didn't realize how much I didn't feel normal. Yeah. Like that whole feeling of, "Wow." And you got to remember this is 10 years later. Yeah. It's a long time to go through that journey and still be going through it, you know. And not having really realized the depth of the emotion attached yeah. to that one body yeah, part. The, the hurt. And, and also, I don't think anyone realises, like, everyone just says they're boobs, but they are who we are as women. Mm. And and I'm not a fake. I don't like things that are fake in me and on me. So I wouldn't choose to have had implants. I wouldn't have chosen this journey. But it is the journey that I'm walking through. And therefore, I feel that, you know, it's better to just, you know, be brave and just, you know, accept that yeah. that's the journey that I've been given and there's a lot worse in life than having to have fake breasts, you know? Yeah. So, 
Yes, yeah. once the nipples start, so I don't know why I'm crying, but it obviously... That's right, I'm, I'm right there with you. I don't have any <laughs> tissues to offer you, you. It shows you. What it... Yeah. It the just, difference it can make yeah, in your it, own it, headspace. Yeah, and as Nikki's been working on me, and it's been hard because it is painful, and pain for me is just a rem- remembrance of what I've been through, and so I just don't want it in my life. Mm. And i got to say that every time when she does a little bit, I go, oh, my God. And it really does look like you've got a nipple. Yeah. And it's like, and I showed a girlfriend of mine who's got a really good visual eye. And, and she went, oh, my God, that's fantastic. <laughs> and it's, sorry, Pippa. It, it really is fantastic. And, and I think for women today to be able to get as, you know, to go on that journey and go through the pain and the agony of survival, to be able to get and return back to a semi-normal state, I think is really vital. Yeah. I think it's vital for their mental state. And also, no one ever asks the question of how their husbands or boyfriends are feeling, mm. you know, when they come through that. And they want their partner to be as feeling normal and the best they can be of themselves. Yeah, it's not that they're expecting you to do it, but no. they want you to feel good in it's however... how you feel. Yeah, and they want you to feel that you're empowered for living and yeah. not disempowered. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and it's, it is a big thing to, to go through, but I think that to finish it off with such a beautiful touch yeah, is so great. To have people that are willing to take the time to learn, to do a skill that's really an artistic skill yeah. is extraordinary. We yeah. can only say thank you. I agree. Yes. I know because I've seen the work, not, not on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I but... put a stop to my breast being shown. <laughs> There's but, a limit. <laughs> yeah, but I, like I've seen, you know, what this effect can do and then hearing it firsthand of, what it triggers for you in that like that completion in your mindset and just seeing the emotion and you empower other people in my mind so to know that somebody's giving you that something back that you felt like you wanted and you deserved for yourself is just you know it's a beautiful part of the journey yeah it is i think the sad thing for breast cancer is that there's so much of it around that people go like this oh another breast cancer case oh another breast cancer you know and it's lost a little bit of its it is a really serious freaking disease yeah. and it's killing, still killing women yeah. and it still maims women. You yeah. know? And so anything that we can to make these women feel fabulous about themselves, yeah. I think is a really positive thing. You know, people going through anything, it doesn't just one day switch off, no. you know, like this is 12 years down the track and you're still putting the you know, final pieces to the puzzle, so to speak. Yeah, and, I, and in actual fact, what people don't understand, once you've had the level of cancer that I had, you have to go in for full tests every single year. You have to have your bloods done regularly. You have to have scans done every year. How does that affect you mentally? Oh, look, I think now I'm pretty good. I actually said to my doctor, do you think we're done? <laughs> you and I are done? He's yeah. retiring. He's retiring. And I was like, are you done with me? And he goes, no, I'm passing you on to another doctor. You're like, I'm done with you. <laughs> he sort of said to me that one of the things about having, you know, estrogen-driven cancer, I was unfortunate that it went through my lymph nodes. So, you know, they never stop worrying about you. He, he had a patient that after 15 years came back and there was a little mother sitting behind her rib cage and because she had these regular tests they caught it very very early and so just because you've had it doesn't mean you can just stop and I think that's the key to all of us having control over our own health and ensuring that we keep on top of it you know get checked get checked 
it's really simple. Yeah. I think you've got a really wonderful mindset. Did something just shift for you because then you felt like, okay, this is how I'm choosing to move forward, regardless of this and this still needs a bit of work here and there, but I'm choosing to stay in this headspace and I'm going to live my life on my terms. Do you know, I think it's really interesting. I think especially women, sorry guys, but I think especially women, because I'm a woman, I can say this, is that we have an intuition that tells us what's going on in our bodies. And very few of us realize how important that intuition is. And it's really strong and it constantly tells us when we're not feeling well or that something's wrong. It's whether we choose to listen to ourselves. And what I chose back then was to listen to my body. And even now, you know, if I get tired, I actually go to bed and I sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas before I'd push through and push through and pretend to be the life of the party, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. I am still the life of the party at some <laughs> I know she is. <laughs> Sooner in action. <laughs> One of the things that happens is all these people and methods and come out of the woodwork. You can't imagine what gets sent to you and what people buy you and what and it's all from a very nice place. Can you tell me the funniest one? <laughs> this is actually disgusting and I'm gonna share it. Because I it's love that it. bad, I'm gonna share it. So <laughs> we've all got one friend. <laughs> a really prominent person in Sydney, and I'm not gonna mention names, called me up when they found out that I was sick and said, You have to come and meet this person with me. They're going to change your journey. At that point, you're open. You're so desperate to stay alive. You want to live. Yeah. I had really young kids. And I went, okay. And I trusted her as a person to not take me to some voodoo sort of character. <laughs> and so I went um, <laughs> and I, I went along and I sat in this room. I wasn't the only one in the room. But I was actually granted a private sitting with this particular person. And he came from America and he taught people how to drink their own urine for their own health. And I swear to God. Each to their own, no judgment. I swear to God, and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. I have no idea. So he was teaching you how to do it. What the benefits were of drinking. Oh, I can't. I thought they were doing a demonstration. <laughs> no, I think that my mouth was down here. I was so shocked at what I was listening to. I was so shocked and I just it didn't resonate with me. Yeah. It just, and I don't, I don't judge anyone that thinks urine therapy is a good thing. Please, everyone to their own. Yeah. But my gut was telling me this wasn't for me. <laughs> you got or something else. It was going, <laughs> you know what my gut was saying? Run, girl, run. <laughs> just run as, as far fast as you can. <laughs> yeah. And again, like there's so many different treatments that, you know, are right for some people, not right for others. But knowing you as a person, the way I do and how professional and just how nicely put do you get that that would have been a shock to your system to hear someone telling you to drink my to do yeah. yeah it was i'm cancer free i'm going to stay cancer free i love so that. i'm not even my life yes. is all about eating well now i exercise i'm i drive people mad with the food that i constantly <laughs> put my sugar in that do you need sugar that's I'm right i'll my... come around for dinner yeah <laughs> <laughs> so you know i'm I, and i try not to I could probably drink a little bit less. You know, I think that everyone should drink less. But I'm terribly pick your social. Poison. But I pick my poisons. And um, and I also want to enjoy life. You know, I yeah. think what's the point in fighting to get through life and then not enjoying it? I mean, really. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Well, thank you for sharing your journey with us. And I think it's, yeah, really a, 
a remarkable one and an inspiring one and I'm grateful to have you in my life. I'm grateful to have you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks everyone. Thank Thanks you. for joining See us. <laughs> Thanks for joining this special episode of Brilliant Brains and Beautiful Minds. For all the information, head over to www.beautybossbusiness.com. See you next time.